You're tuning into Spectre Radio. Revisiting our favorite Star Wars movie moments and debating about scenes from the shows. We're just three millennials trying to find way through the galaxy through the eyes of the Jedi, clones, and the Sith. I'm Wyatt. I'm Andrew. My name is Alyssa, and we are Spectre Radio. Radio. to come here for school retreat. We would swim to that island every day. I love the water. We used to lie out on the spoilers and let the sun dry us. I hate spoilers. They're dry, coarse, irritating. They get everywhere. I think what Anakin was trying to say is that this is your warning for spoilers and adult content. I have to admit that without the clones, it would not have been a victory. Victory? Victory, you say? Master Obi-Wan, not victory. The Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. Begun. The Clone War has. to get going on today's podcast, our review of Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Master Jedi Andrew, take it away with the opening crawl. There is unrest in the Galactic Senate. Several thousand solar systems have declared the intention to leave the Republic. The Separatist movement, under the leadership of the mysterious Count Dooku, has made it difficult for the limited number of Jedi Knights to maintain peace and order in the galaxy. Senator Amidala, the former Queen of Naboo, is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of creating an army of the Republic to assist the overwhelmed Jedi. Oh man, I am excited to really break this down, you know, um, episode two. This is one that I think we've poked the most fun at compared to um, Phantom Menace, because, you know, we get more you know, teenage angst from Anakin. And um, I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited to hear what um, Andrew and Alyssa's uh, viewpoints are on this. Before we get going, let's take a step back and let's analyze stuff that you might have missed in this movie. You know, stuff that's kind of behind the scenes or the way certain camera angles are or shadows. Um, so let's go ahead and let's um, start this segment, Accessing the Archives. The first one I want to start off with is Samuel L. Jackson's character, Mace Windu. Not only is his lightsaber purple, as everyone you know has noticed, also in the Star Wars Arabesh language on it, it says, bad mother effer on it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it I said it in Arabesh. That's uh-huh. really cool. Yeah, I heard the rumor was um, it's his favorite color, but he also wanted to be able to differentiate himself on the arena during the big battle scene at the end. Is that right? Yes, it is. Right. And then I heard that he begged George for like a year to put to <laughs> give him a yellow saber, and George told him no, no, no. And then he 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 did it, didn't tell him, and then when they went to watch it in the premiere he was just blown away that he got a purple saber and he found out at the same time everyone else did. (laughs) That's wild. I had another one about a lightsaber too, really quick, um, Andrew. So I found this when I was looking up to verify that story about um, Mace's purple lightsaber that Hayden Christensen became the only actor in a Star Wars movie who didn't get to choose the design of his lightsaber. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's been a tradition, as you guys are kind of saying, but because Obi-Wan gave Luke Vader's lightsaber in episode four, he was stuck with that same design. Mm -hmm. Um, And on that note, we did already kind of talk about the arena. And of course, like Anakin's lightsaber is destroyed. (laughs) Again. In the droid factory, LOL. Again. Um, 
did Jedi's just like have extra lightsabers lying around for battles like that? Because he ended up fighting with one, right? So do you just like show up to battle and you're like, hey, yeah, bring out those extra sabers. We got like four of them. And <laughs> I thought the saber was unique to the Jedi because of the Kyber Crystal. No, it's not a Harry Potter wand, thankfully. Because <laughs> I was thinking about that while I was watching it. I'm like, wow, thank God this is not Harry Potter because that wouldn't have worked. Well, either they, either they went to the armory and have spare lightsabers and were like, yeah, we're probably going to need these because, yeah, uh, you know, they're captured. Or it's just Jedi who fight with two lightsabers at a time. We're just like, all right, well, I, here you go. And here That's you go. That's a good point. So, I didn't yeah. think about that. Okay, very cool. And the next one I've got is, um, so you remember the, the dog fight between um, Obi-Wan and uh, Django and Boba? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, Slave One's uh, chasing them. So Slave One hides because, you know, he's, uh, Obi-Wan's chasing them. And then Obi-Wan goes out to look for him. And then out Slave One comes. That's a callback to uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's was- a mini callback. There was another callback to that when uh, Django knocked his head on the spaceship when mm-hmm. he was walking in. The stormtrooper. Like storm yeah. <laughs> so how is that a callback if it hasn't happened in the canon <laughs> Don't destroy our <laughs> points here, Wyatt. Uh, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Okay. Any Doctor yes. Who fans going to get that? Was that perfect. was perfect. Understood. Understood. <laughs> I had uh, one more. Um, I really enjoyed and I completely forgot that the camera tilted upside down to reveal the planet of Coruscant. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool and unique. Um, And I I looked into it because I so appreciated it that this is the only Star Wars movie where the camera shot tilts up after the opening scroll. In other movies, the camera shot is tilting Uh, down towards the planet. That's Um, right. Or you know the location that they're they're bringing you to. So I thought that was really interesting. I don't know if there was like an artistic reason why they switched it up, but maybe they were like, you know what, this is now what the fifth movie. Let's just shake it up and like get people on their toes and confuse them, disorient them. I never thought about that, but yeah, that's a really good point. I wow. And the last one I got is um, the Tuscan Raiders who kidnap Shmi. Um, in the canon, they were um, paid to by Count Dooku, who was under orders from Sidious. It was just another way to kind of, you know, get Anakin, you know, upset, off balance with the Force, all that. So. Yeah, I read that too. That was really surprising. I was like, man. What know, a douche. And then Palpatine I. just has his hands and everything. And then I read something. Oh, so the, the day that he went to go, or the evening that he went and slaughtered that entire village, is now like a Tuscan Raider holiday. Yeah, it's like like a, a nightmare day for them or something like that. Yeah, which crazy. yeah, that that is crazy. He's their boogeyman. Oh my! <laughs> he's the, he's their John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh, we're we're like bringing all the fandoms in today. <laughs> really, Harry are. Potter, Doctor Who. It's great. Give me time. That's awesome. Yeah, and I have to say, I I did love that we got to explore more of Coruscant in this movie and really get to see more of the city and all the speeders and all the like hiding alleyways and different camera views. Um, Mm -hmm. But really uh, love it because shouts to our friend Adam because Coruscant is an inside joke. I was just thinking about him. I was like, I I bet Adam (laughs) is very happy too. Right. I can't not think of Adam every time I think of Coruscant. (laughs) Wow. Adam gets the first shout out. Look at him go. Um, He will be on as a featured guest sometime in the future. Um, so if you're asking who the heck are we referring to, you need to keep listening. Let's bring it back to 2002 when this movie first came out in the, uh, in the movies. What are, what are some things that you remember back then versus, you know, watching it here now in 2021 on the Disney Plus platform? Andrew, what do you, uh, what do you think? Watching it on Disney Plus as opposed to 500 times on DVD growing up. And the first couple of times on VHS, um, there were a couple of very small added things, kind of like for The Phantom Menace, like every once in a while, you'd get a a different frame of a crappier CGI version of Yoda. And by crappier, I mean the newer one they have on Disney Plus looks horrific. I I think Alyssa touched on that for The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. It's just so and then like it'll just have like smaller in between shots like um, Camino. 
um, you, in the original, you only saw Topeka City. I think that's how you pronounce it. They're just the one city. But if you watch it now on Disney Plus, there's more in the background. So it's like, oh, okay, they got like a, a whole civilization there. Um, so what I remember, so around then there was a lot of sci-fi movies coming around, coming out um, when I was a kid. And I got to see them all with my uncles and my dad. So one was like episode two, one was X-Men, X-Men two. So this was all coming out within, you know, two, three years of each other. So it was, it was a really good time for me um, growing up. It was a way for me to bond with, with my uncles as, you know, I was what, nine, nine, 10, I guess, you know, I was blown away with everything about Yoda and blah, 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 you know, so just everything that, that was at 10 years old. This was amazing to me. <laughs> it definitely was incredible. And I think you made a really good point, Andrew, talking about all the sci-fi movies that, um, you know, were coming out and were popular. I was thinking again, because I love to reminisce and take you guys down memory lane of that time in our lives. Now in the early 2000s and not the 90s anymore. But um, one of the things I did remember was like Padme's different hairstyles from the movie because she got to be a little even more flamboyant funny enough as a senator and not a ruler as a queen. Um, but her, one of her hairstyles was you guys, I'm totally losing you right now, but basically um, what I remember was really popular back then was crimping your hair. And it was like a, it was looked like a straightener, like a flat iron, but the plates on it were wavy. So it made your hair look like it was curly, but it wasn't. <laughs> Um, so any any female listening or or maybe Wyatt, since he has a wife, will know what a crimper <laughs> is. I don't know if Laura's ever done that, but I it don't was think <laughs> she even owns that tool, to be honest. Yeah, I don't <laughs> own one anymore. Um, now I just like braid my hair when it's wet and when it dries, it looks like it was crimped. But <laughs> that was like in style, I guess, because um, I, I think it was like really popular in the 80s and it was like just coming back in the early 2000s. But um I definitely remembered that and it made me think of another popular uh, female, strong female character from the early 2000s with crimped hair. Yeah, you guys totally know who I'm talking about, right? I got nothing for you. No, what are, what are you like, talking about? Disney character, maybe? Impossible? No, she had straight hair. She oh. had straight hair, but um, I loved Kim Possible. Yes, I was uh, referring to Lizzie McGuire, of course. Oh. <laughs> That was a good reaction. <laughs> yeah, she definitely like rocked all the weird early 2000s hairstyles, uh, including the crimping. So anyway, I had to get, had to take you down that that path. But speaking of hair, I definitely also remembered all of like the memes of Obi-Wan's Jesus hair. So gotta <laughs> love that. All the photos of, or the memes of like the moms having the photos of Obi-Wan on their wall instead of Jesus. Um. And then, of course, the memorable gif of, like, um, Anakin and Obi-Wan in the speeder doing the, like, <laughs> little dance up and down. Yeah, Andrew knows what I'm talking about. Um, and then the other thing I remembered fondly from this movie was um, the difference between Jango Fett and Boba Fett. A lot of people get them mixed up, and it's obviously very easy to, one, because they're clones of, you know, Boba is a clone of Jango. But um, to remember who was the quote-unquote father and who was the quote-unquote son, I always remembered Django starts with a J. Django's the dad. My dad's name is Jeff starts with a J. <laughs> so admittedly, I like needed to have a, a way to remember that. But my list of things that I don't remember is much longer. Um, but to, to shorten it up, I think one of the, the pieces of plot that I didn't remember that felt really relevant in 2021 that was really funny was Anakin's um, lack of understanding of how government works. Um, I was like, yeah. this is painful, but I also feel this pain. Um, I just was like, this is the majority of America right now, regardless of what side you're on. Like, mm. we're not getting political, but... Uh, By the yeah. way, if you listen to this, we are recording at the very early... We're in January, what is this, 5th of 2021. Yeah, yeah so we're, we're coming towards the end of this election drama. 
But um, long story short, you know, I was just thinking like in America, you know, we're taught this information by memorizing it and not understanding it. <laughs> and like Anakin is a really good example of that because if you ask me right now to explain every branch of government and what they do, I would completely fail. I could name them, but I can't really go much further than that. Um, no shame there. But yeah. Um, what about um, the other handmaiden? Do you guys remember Rose Byrne? Mm-mm. She's uh, from the movie Bridesmaids. She played like um, uh, oh, maybe the, that's why the she snooty familiar. friend who threw the bridal shower and was like one-upping the maid of honor. Um, if you if you're you know an SNL fan, she was in that movie. She was also in X Men, um, in a in a couple different X Men movies. She was also in Get Him to the Greek. So if you check her out on IMDb, you'll be like, oh, I know who you're talking about. But as soon as I saw that handmaiden, I was like, oh my gosh, she looks so familiar. I've definitely seen her in other films as an adult, including Bridesmaids. That's where I recognized her from. Love that movie. I don't remember when I initially watched this movie. 2002, again, 10 years, uh, yeah, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where I was, what I was doing. Same. Never his mind on where he was, hmm? <laughs> what Apparently he was doing. I wasn't listening to Master Yoda at that time. <laughs> um, but I do remember watching it when I was younger. Um, kind of piggybacking off what Alyssa says. I don't remember all the politics in this movie. Um, kind so of what, much politics. So much. Kind of so what much. Andrew hit on in the Phantom Menace pod. By the way, if you haven't listened to that, you should pause this and go back and listen. So yeah. this reference makes sense. You know, for being a movie that's a lot about politics, we know nothing about politics. <laughs> and then they cut, <laughs> they cut kids. like the one scene about politics we actually kind of needed. Remember we were watching those at your house, the deleted scenes, mm-hmm. like why she was coming back to, to Coruscant because it was like a, a military creation bill right. and stuff like that. And it's like, Nobody knows anything about that because they cut it. Uh, I do. I do remember watching this, and I've already at this point seen uh, four, five, and six. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, "Wait a second! The clones aren't these bad guys?" <laughs> and again, ten-year-old mind, like obviously, like most people hadn't figured out that you know Order sixty-six is a thing. And right. that actually leads me to a question for Andrew. Um, oh boy. Since he's our resident, I don't know what to call you, like. He's our, our resident expert, you can resident, say it. Resident expert. Well, the real expert was unavailable. I'm the on-call one. <laughs> Just kidding. What can I help um, you with? So, okay, Palpatine. Did everyone who worked with him as the emperor know that he was Palpatine? You or, mean like now? Like currently in episode two? Or you yes. Mean, in, okay. In episode two, like, did does Count Dooku know his position in the Senate? Yes. Count Dooku knows. Um, I think at this point, um, Mas Amida, the blue guy who's always next to him, I yeah. think he knows too. Almost everyone who is, he has like a circle of like several people who would know that. Um, I don't. Obviously, I don't think like Newt Gunray or any of them know that. Right. So, but they, I believe they do still know that Dooku works for Sidious, but that I'm not even uh, sure about. But man, talk about loyalty. Nobody ratted on him at all. And be like, they knew, they knew, because they knew. (laughs) It was totally obvious. There was so much foreshadowing. And that was another, another point I wrote down, like even from episode one, when he was doing the communication transmission and it was like cutting out and it was voice was being pitched mm-hmm. into this like evil cackling tone. I was like, oh my God, they're totally foreshadowing, you know, the emperor side of things over here. And I also wrote down like four other pieces of foreshadowing that I caught rewatching the movie. So there was a part when Anakin and Padme were in the droid factory where his arm got stuck. And it was going to get chopped off. And I was like, oh, my God, they're foreshadowing that he's going to lose his arm. Holy crap. Um, I think it was the same arm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. It was Um, his right arm. And then I wrote two other. Actually, no, sorry. I wrote foreshadowing about the arm twice. (laughs) You were so excited about that. I was so excited to catch that. 
um, the last thing I wrote was Duel of the Fates round two. Mm-hmm. Was that foreshadowing Anakin becoming a Sith when he was on a mission to go murder all the Tusken Raiders? I don't know. What do you guys think? When they are back on Tatooine after Anakin went and retrieved his mother, he gets all frustrated when he's playing with the droids and he gets all heated and out of nowhere you hear him say, I killed them. And we actually hear Vader's theme song in the back. Let's go back and take a listen. You're not all powerful. Well, I should be. Someday I will be. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. I promise you. I will even learn to stop people from dying. Anakin. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. What's wrong, Annie? I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. And if you notice when they walk out of the hut, his shadow looks like Vader. That's where I thought you were going with that. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. And I looked that up and that was just a coincidence. That wasn't a special effect. No, so I can't take full credit for that because I was watching with my wife and she goes, wait, is that Vader's music? Yes, Laura (laughs) coming in with the facts. I'm so proud. And that's where she learned that Anakin was Vader. Or does she still not know? Have you broke it to her yet? She knows. She knows. Oh, she does? She actually, she figured it out, I think, in this episode when we watched it for the first time together. You mean like when he slaughters men, women, and children? The men. <laughs> and even the children. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's foreshadowing him killing children later. Yeah. God, that's awful. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this. Uh, oh I think yeah, that was an accidental a, foreshadowing. Alrighty, well, I think it's time for us to transition into our what ifs. And Andrew, what have you got for us? Alrighty, so as far as what ifs, there were a few, but I don't think we're going to be doing a lot um, today. So my what if was, what if when the Jedi showed up and, you know, rescued the three of them kind of before getting involved in fighting thousands and thousands and thousands of droids, what if they snuck out the same way they snuck in and somebody just grabs Padme and like, you know, force jumps and then they don't lose <laughs> 180 Jedi or I think it was like literally a hundred, they, they showed up with like 212 Jedi and like over 180 Padawans, Knights and Masters died. Yeah. Um, I didn't, ca- yeah. I didn't get the gravity of the carnage until I was just researching for the podcast. Cause there were some, um, you know, cameos from characters. If you're a fan of like clones and rebels, you know, I saw Luminara and I was like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. she's in the movie. I didn't know that as a kid. Cause I didn't, we didn't have those TV shows, but, um, in, in verifying that was her, I saw all the, you know, names of everybody that didn't make it through and was really that, that gravity didn't hit me until now. So that's a really good question. I feel like Star Wars has a really good way in every film of putting you in that situation where, um, you know, someone will ask a question like that, or it's like, why is it this way? And your answer is always because it's a movie or because it's Star Wars, right? This is something that I'd thought about in like partial thoughts, but never a complete thought until I had seen it um, from um, a YouTuber that I like. So additionally, instead of why didn't they just, you know, grab her and leave, uh, why didn't they just leave their ships in orbit and prevent the Separatists from taking off from the planet and curb-stopping the ever-loving crap out of them? 
instead of oh okay. let's send a uh, hundred a couple hundred thousand clones and even more <laughs> jedi to their deaths against over a million battle droids mm-hmm. when it's just like okay we have weapons from space that can turn you into <laughs> more sand oh my so God. uh fight you know toe to toe blaster to blaster or do we just sit here and prevent you from making any more battle droids or having battle droids leave and subsequently count dooku leave I think the same answer because it's a movie. Yeah. Of course, but why? What do you think? Come back to me. I need to. I need to ponder my thoughts. <laughs> my on actual that one. answer for that, Mace Windu yeah. answered. Uh, we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Clearly. Oh yeah, that's a really good point. And clearly. I and I think like in the heat of the moment, they're not thinking in terms of strategy for war, right? Um, I I wrote down one of the quotes uh, from. Palpatine that made me laugh out loud that's kind of applicable here it's like do you really think it will come to war and he's talking to Yoda and I said well it's not called Star Peace yeah it's called Star (laughs) Wars I literally shouted that at the movie um so yeah I think part of it is it's not the strategic battle like it was in the first episode right when they kind of had somewhat of a strategy or plan Mm -hmm. with the Gungans lol that's a good point Kind of fell apart on them as it does in most star wars movies but um they did not have a strategy right they were prisoners they were uh well the three the three on the arena field obviously were uh prisoners and you know padme's holding her own just mm. like yeah let me uncuff myself and anakin did okay and started you know uh taming that creature whatever he was dealing with but um yeah i think it, i think it was more so like we're just trying to not we're trying to stop the bleeding right like this is emergency protocol triage situation and we're not on the advance we're not on the attack we're on the retreat mm-hmm. i think that was kind of the the, the point of mind there survival yeah fight or flight right kind of uh, good idea. point yeah i mean they are so the whole reason why all the jedi are there is essentially a rescue mission for obi-wan they don't know that Anakin's there because Anakin was told to to stay oh, yeah. with. To, That's to probably stay. how they should have known he was there. That's a really because <laughs> everything was going to hell. That was a really good point. Yeah, right. I'm I'm surprised we we didn't get a scene where it's like Mace Window just tearing into Anakin. Like I told you to keep her safe, and we show up and she's tied up to a pole, about to be demolished <laughs> by this cat rat looking thing. <laughs> He's like, remember, he's like, remind me to never let you water my plants when I go out of town. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> They'll all be dead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that actually segues really well into my what if, since you you just mentioned who is owning what part of each mission, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my what if is, um, what if the council had sent the more experienced Jedi for the more, what I would argue, more important mission to protect the senator? So what if they sent Obi-Wan to protect Padme and they sent the less experienced Jedi to run an errand and ask a simple question and hunt down one person? Um, wasn't I feel it, like, <laughs> sorry, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, wasn't it Palpatine's order to send Anakin? It was, you're right. Yes, you're right. Sorry, I misspoke. Um, so yeah, I think that's part of it where he's manipulating and he wants the two of them to get together. So for purposes of the what if, if, you know, he wasn't involved and it was the council's decision or, you know, we're, we're, we're speculating here. Um, I think the situation is like when your mom asks you to grab one more thing at the grocery store when she's at the checkout versus like leaving two teenagers alone in this beautiful romantic location with minimal supervision and the supervision that they do have is a palace full of servants, right? We're like, these are like polar opposite situations. Like I would feel way more comfortable being like, Hey Annie, can you go grab the milk? I forgot that on my list versus like, Hey Annie, go hang out with this scantily clad woman on this really hot planet where you should swim in a lake and roll down a freaking beautiful hill. Like, I don't know. Do you think Anakin would have defeated Jango Fett? Would he not have escaped like he did, um, you know, Obi-Wan and then eventually, you know, was killed by Mace? It starts to unravel a lot of things, right? Do, do you think things would be uncomfortable for Obi-Wan and Padme? Would... I don't think they would be uncomfortable together. No? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think well, she was just, you know, looking for anybody to shack up with. I think it was just more, you know, her and Anakin. I also think... 
that Anakin would have been on his own on Geonosis because they wouldn't have been on Tatooine. So they would have had to come from just as far away or whatever. So Anakin would have been screwed on Tatooine, on uh, Geonosis rather. That's a good point. Yeah, that is good. Um, Do you think Anakin and Padme would have gotten together without being on Naboo? So like if we take that out of the equation altogether and we still have Palpatine in the equation where he's controlling this timeline and he wants the two of them to get together. And as Andrew stated earlier, he orchestrates the death of Anakin's mother do you think that is still going to be a catalyst for them to be together? Is it not going to be that case without their love being this taboo thing because he's a Jedi and he's not, you know, he's encouraged to have attachments, so he claims, which is false. I say yes. It's, they still would have, without the lack of a better term, hooked up. Hooked up. <laughs> um, the better term being gotten married. Same thing. Oh, please. <laughs> they were, they were uh, not married until the last 30 seconds of the film. When and I, they were doing plenty of other things. Yeah, plenty of were. other activities. Activities, sure. Um, yeah, because Obi-Wan was sent on a mission for to find the bounty hunter. So that takes Obi-Wan, ascent, which is obviously Anakin's master away, which again leaves him unsupervised. Um, yeah. Looking back, I think Anakin held quite a bit of restraint. <laughs> Can you explain that? And, I feel uh, like they cut not... those parts out. They didn't show us those parts of the plot that you might be referencing as a 19-year-old man oh, alone. 19-year-old with, with your first love, yeah. With I... this <laughs> brick house of a woman in right. front of him. Who lo- loves to show her belly every opportunity she can <laughs> i mean if you had a six-pack you'd be doing the same thing let's let's just be fair we can so, level the playing so field. when when she's packing on coruscant saying stop <laughs> looking at me like that you're making me uncomfortable and then she packs all of the clothes that she wore for naboo did he really make you uncomfortable <laughs> okay so i actually wrote something down about that because i was thinking from my perspective uh, as a woman being subject to the male gaze quite often being uncomfortable is a different feeling than being unwanted because if she wanted to shut that down, you best believe you've seen her on the Senate floor. This girl would shut that down immediately. Right. And, and she, she did other times and said, stop that. No, no. Right. But she was saying that makes me uncomfortable in a flirtatious way. I would kind of argue versus like, she's playing hard to get. I think I think that was part of it. And I think she still didn't know what her feelings were, right? Because in her mind, she's like, this is not allowed. I'm a senator. My duty is to the Republic. Like, I have to think about my career before I can settle down with somebody on a planet and blah, blah, whatever, right? So I think for her, um, there's a slight difference as a female. And I'm uncomfortable, right? Because even butterflies in a romantic sense can be uncomfortable. Um, but you don't grow if you don't get out of your comfort zone, right? Your relationship's not going to change if you don't, it's that risk versus reward. It's like, do I get out of the friend zone with this person? Do I shoot my shot? Um, or do I lose it all together? So, um, I'm so glad you brought up that point so I can tell you from a female (laughs) perspective. (laughs) I I appreciate it because that was, that was a very good point. Very insightful. Thank you. Yeah. What if, what if, what's your, what if Wyatt? I, I was torn between a couple while watching. I kept changing which ones I wanted to based on where I was in the movie. So ultimately, I love to kind of dive into Palpatine's mind to try and analyze and figure out where his mind is and where it's going with each path. So, what? So obviously, he's he was orchestr- he was vital in obviously ordering the clones. That was that was obviously his his work, and then later on we'll find out about the um, inhibitor chips and them. Right. What if that plan didn't fall through? What if um, he didn't get the supreme power from Jar Jar Binks? What if you know? What if he wasn't allowed to use the clones? What if the Senate denied it? Mm. You know, what other? Because obviously the clones saved all the Jedi. If yeah. if those clones didn't come in, that would have been that would have been you know 
written by George Lucas. That would have been it. (laughs) (laughs) We love that meme. Yes. Yeah, that's a good question. And I I wrote a question to like off of that um, because in our previous episode for episode one, we talked about Darth Jar Jar, which is, you know, why it's like favorite theory of all time that my thought. We will get to it every podcast, (laughs) by the way. Of course, we're going to build up to it. But um, my thought was like, would would Palpatine have that effect on someone like Padme if she were there versus somebody like Jar Jar, who's obviously very, how do I say this nicely? Gullible. Weak, weak-minded, gullible, feeble-minded. I don't know, I don't right? think Dumb. it would have worked on Padme because <laughs> yeah. like she was, she'd been on the, the committee to vote down the bill for over a year. Sure. It wasn't necessarily to make a clone army, but it was to make an army in general. So, right. And she then we see in the Clone Wars she spends like every political episode trying to right, like right. make the peace. So I don't think she would have necessarily been against the war in general, but it wouldn't have been as easy. Sure, but I think in the same breath, like to Wyatt's point, Palpatine is a master manipulator, and and of course one of the things they keep bringing up throughout the course of the films is be mindful of your feelings, right? So if he knows, you know, if I don't know if this logically follows or makes sense since Padme's, you know, not force sensitive, but can he be perceptive to her feelings towards Anakin? I mean, I think any human being with a pair of eyes or an alien for that matter can see that the two of them have something going on. But um, since he's kind of orchestrating that, do you think he could have manipulated that to his advantage on the other side? Right. Um, he could have manipulated Padme to get what he wanted had he held something about Anakin over her head. Um, And then some question that I didn't get to ask earlier when I was talking about my what if that bugs me is like, why would Obi-Wan let Anakin go back to Naboo after he saw the two of them together and he definitely could sense like something had changed. Like there's no way your master and apprentice don't have that kind of synergy like um andrew had said previously in in last last episode that we talked about um you know did he just think like oh yeah padme won't reciprocate she's not gonna cross that line <laughs> oh my, my padawan has returned to naboo he's just dropping the senator off because it's <laughs> funny business so <laughs> if you if, if you remember when they're about to board that ship to head to naboo the I can't remember the guy's name, but like the the colonel, the sergeant that's talking. Captain Typho. To, yeah, yeah, Captain Typho, Mister Eye Patch, Nick no. Fury, two <laughs> Anakin says, "No, not Anakin. Sorry, Obi Wan says, you know, I'm cautious with him." And then the other guy oh. says, "Oh yeah, I'd be her. more worried it's, about her." I'm more worried about her. He probably thought that was a joke. <laughs> Jokes on them. I think he did. And I think Obi-Wan's context is different than Captain Typo's, right? So Obi-Wan's context is, I'm worried about Anakin crossing the line with Padme. And I don't think Captain Typho was picking up on that context. And he's like, oh, yeah, she's always getting into trouble because he's been her bodyguard, as we saw with uh, Captain Panaka in the first episode. Each of them thought the other was like super professional. Like Obi-Wan's like, oh, surely Senator Amidala wouldn't do that. She's so professional. And Captain Typho's like, oh, he's a Jedi. Oh, that's so cool. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I think I got us on a a rabbit hole. Sorry, Wyatt. But um, I think that's a really good point. And I think no matter what, uh, Palpatine would have master manipulated his way into getting his way to your point it was really flimsy as it was because the way they made the clones was Dugu was friends with Sifo Diaz back in the day and he knows that Sifo Diaz has forced visions of the future and he saw an up- upcoming war so Sidious got Dooku to suggest that he places an order for a clone army it's like do you know how risky that is what if he just went nah bruh <laughs> so now, talking about dooku i do want to dive into him j- just a little bit more um obviously we get a lot of him in clones which we're gonna hit on in our next podcast um you know we when he's in the chamber with obi-wan and they're kind of bantering back and forth you know we get the understanding that 
um, Qui-Gon was Dooku's apprentice, or uh, Padawan, rather. And then um, Dooku was Yoda's Padawan as well. So, Andrew, I'm kind of curious, what, how did he go from, um, from you know, Jedi to essentially uh, Palpatine's, you know, bitch? It's <laughs> a great yeah. way to put that. I had done a lot of research on Dooku over, you know, the years um, of loving Star Wars. And then I just, you know, did a, a brief recap of it um, for the purposes of this podcast. Um, he became like disillusioned with the current state of the Republic and kind of the Jedi order itself. Like he, he saw all the corruption in the Senate and he, he hated it and stuff like that. And then he saw the, the Jedi following the ways of the force less and kind of pandering to politics too much. Um, and he hates that, which is really funny because the very next thing he does is quit the Jedi order, go back to his home of Sereno and assume the title of count of Sereno, which is like their, their planet's leader, become a rich politician. And then what does he do for the next 10 years or so, or 15 years? He recruits all of these rich, greedy corporations who are part of the problem of the, the greedy, um, you know, Senate. And he's, you know, he's trying, in his mind, he's trying to clean up the Senate and that's uh, clean up the galaxy. And that's why he's, he starts this war, um, aside from him becoming power hungry, because he's tapped into the dark side. He, he doesn't like political BS, basically, mm-hmm. which is funny how he goes about doing it. The entire Clone Wars is him doing political BS things. <laughs> so he becomes right. like the world's biggest hypocrite. And I've thought about this a lot. If I was like alive in the Star Wars galaxy at this time, I would probably hate him more than pretty much any other Sith because of how he does things. He like he doesn't and he ever you you ever notice he doesn't have the Sith eyes? No. Yeah. Right. So and I looked up why, and I was I was already pretty sure that I knew why. He never fully submersed himself into the dark side. He just yeah. saw it as a means to an end. He renounced that, his way to the Jedi Order, but he just wanted to become more powerful. That totally makes sense because there was a part in the movie where he clearly stated, I want to get rid of a Sith, not the Sith. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what a revelation. Like, that's so different than, you know, him saying, I want to be a part of this, but I don't want this one person in my way versus. Yeah. Yeah. He also, he kind of knew about Palpatine's plan to like bring in Anakin. Oh, for sure. He was pretty much told that the three of them would all live together and they would kind of break the rule of two. And I'm like, really? You're, you're like 80 starting this clone war. (laughs) <laughs> that was supposed to last three to five years. Yeah. So, like, did, did you really think, like, wild. Palpatine, who's younger than you, wasn't just going to, like, throw you out <laughs> for, like, trade you in for, like, the newer, the newer, hotter model? Like, yeah. He can so. stay in the, in the old folks' home with, with Yoda, like Obi-Wan said. That yeah. killed me. Yeah, but, the old um, folks' home. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, that's savage. But that made me think of that fight scene between – Dooku and Yoda towards the end where obviously it's like David and Goliath like all over again um and it made me think of like and you guys will think this is wild but it made me think of when I was growing up in summer camp like probably around this time even when this movie came out um I was always like really really small for my age everybody was definitely taller and stronger than me same and yeah and I remember one year at summer camp, they were like, um, we were bored. It was raining in Florida. And they were like, let's do like dodgeball. And then we got bored with that. And they were like, let's do wrestling. We're like 10-year-old kids. This was just not smart. But I remember they, they had like encouraged me to wrestle this girl who was like way bigger than me and stronger than me. And I just yoda the crap out of that situation and just like swept her legs 400 different ways and times. <laughs> and I beat her. And I was like, this is a whole, like, summer camp situation all over again. Um, Obviously, you know, Dooku got away, but still, that that was kind of funny. Small but mighty. And kind of piggybacking off of that, and with, I feel like this episode is a, not really a revelation, but it's it's eye-opening to those who watched the original trilogy. And what I mean by that is, 
Okay, imagine, okay, look, think back to Yoda in episode five and six. He's grumpy, he doesn't do much, and he's kind of grouchy. And now we see him in episode two, jumping and actually dueling with a lightsaber. Yeah, great so, point. So imagine the excitement on the generation before us who got to see Yoda firsthand kind of be this old grumpy grout. And now we get to see him actually, actually battle. It's like sequels trilogy Luke Skywalker versus Luke Skywalker from the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing I will say about that, um, going back to now, I just got a fresh memory of the first time I saw this in theaters. Um, when Yoda pulls out his lightsaber, like already fans were cheering because they were like, wow, Yoda can use the force really well against this, you know, powerful guy. That was already like, you know, blowing people's Dude. minds. Yeah. Nobody thought he had a lightsaber because we don't <laughs> see it. So, he's so when he's like, buy our skills with a lightsaber, I heard some guy say, oh man, Yoda, 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 don't, got, Yoda don't got a lightsaber. And I was just like, oh no. And then he pulls one out and everyone's like, holy crap. And then he just goes, ah! and, and it's like green and him. you're like, yeah. Every, the entire theater like uh, uh, erupted in cheering and clapping people were standing and hooting and hollering loudly my dad and i were like at first we were like what the crap and they were like oh that's a really good point though <laughs> <laughs> that set the entire theater off i imagine it set almost every theater off the first time people saw it mm-hmm. cool now let's transition into our final segment which Final thoughts, likes, dislikes about this movie in general. I liked it. It was it's it was a good watch watching it again, especially today. Um, my likes is the CGI is phenomenal in this movie. If you think back to two thousand two, oh yeah. yeah, this is a phenomenally made movie. Again, Star Wars set the tone in seventy seven with, with with a New Hope and. Obviously, they, they're ahead of the curve in every way possible. Mm-hmm. My dislikes, which I feel like is going to be similar to one of your, both of yours, if not uh, both, is the dialogue between Anakin <laughs> and Padme. The, the um, how do I say this? Come on, right. give us your best impression. No. no. <laughs> um. Especially that deleted scene where they're at her house. That was oh basically a Hallmark episode, was it, it not? It was. Where, yeah. like, her and the mom are watching them outside talking about this cute boy. And, oh, we've totally seen how he looks at you. I'm like, I've seen every episode of Hallmark with my mother. That's what this is. And then the father's <laughs> grilling Anakin outside. It's like, yeah. is, my, is my daughter in danger? Yes. Yes, she's in danger. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> um. Could have done without half of that, but again, that's what attracts half of. Well, I won't say half, but most, but some of Star Wars's fan base. Like my wife, this is her favorite episode by far because at the end, spoiler warning, they get married. Of course. In secret, except R two and C three PO just kind of creeping and watching. They're the witnesses. Take that back right now. Remember Never. that time that I was a witness at your wedding? I, did you just think I was sitting there creeping? <laughs> yeah, I've got, a, I've got a signed document somewhere that says that you were a witness. Oh, my I, God. That's <laughs> hilarious. I think I'll play a devil's advocate a little bit um, for the worst parts. I know you were saying, obviously, it's uh, bad dialogue. I would almost argue it was like bad acting in places that ruined the movie because I feel like some of those lines I'm getting there hold your horses I have multiple examples um I think in some examples of the dialogue when he's saying you know oh this is the kiss you should never have given me I don't want it to become a scar blah 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 some of that is like you know what when I was 19 or even younger um I wrote cheesy stuff like that in my journal and, you know, I said cheesy things like that to people I was, you know, interested in trying to get them to, you know, it's that feeling of like, I got to shoot my shot. And it's also that feeling of like, this is, this could be unrequited. So it's starting to really mess with me. Right. Because from Anakin's point of view, it's like, she doesn't feel this way at all. She's, she's denied it forever and ever and ever up until this point, she's, giving me flirtatious, you know, looks and body language and other things, but 
her words are telling me something completely different. And so now you should have never kissed me back because you didn't feel this way. I think that's valid. Now, is the dialogue perfect? No. Is it somewhat what maybe a space teenager would melodramatically say? Who's to say? I don't know, right? But I think some of that is like bad acting. The delivery wasn't perfect from Hayden Christensen or uh, from Natalie Portman. But I think the other piece of bad acting that really got me, and feel free to argue, was um, Shmi's dying scene. <laughs> it was not good rewatching it. Yeah, it did she, not hold up well. Like at dying all. on camera, like I've never done it, and I used to do <laughs> like acting all the time, so I really have no room to speak here. But I, I would like to guess that playing a dying scene like that could be done a bit better. Um, I won't gamble to say that I could do it better because I'm not a professional, but she very quickly went from like, is this real? You know, that was pretty good where she was like, is this real? Is this happening? Are you really here? To like, I'm dead. Um, and it wasn't like a, uh, it was like a, she just like dropped off like immediately. Um, I would have loved to hear George Lucas ask, hey, um, we're going to do that again. Uh, this time, can you, um, can, <laughs> can you die, die better? Can you die so fast? Can you die better? <laughs> like, how do, yeah, how do you so, ask that? So I think, you know, some of the dialogue makes sense. Like, he said, she's forgotten me completely. Because when you're a teenager and the girl doesn't, like, jump at the, oh, my God, it's so great to see you. It's, uh, you know, hug you, amazing, whatever. You're instantly dramatic about and it. And you're instantly, like my life is over. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and she was just like, wow, you've grown up so much, you know, in a creepy way, which again, bad dialogue, but you know, I think on his side of things, she's forgotten me completely is not a far thing to say as a teenager when it's unrequited love. But yeah, the bad acting continues with like the lip biting and the, all of it, like in those scenes by the fireplace, just cringy, cringy, not good. Um, and then, of course, you know, I know we were pegging on this and, and ragging on this earlier in the podcast about the, the uh, dialogue about sand. I will say, I'm a Floridian and I hate sand, okay? So that's totally fair. This, this guy has lived in the desert his entire childhood as a slave. So I'm sure his entire life has been, I'm covered in sand. It is coarse. It is irritating. It does get everywhere. And I hate it, too. So I, I hate it too, have... but that's not where I would insert it when I'm flirting. Sure. Oh, no, no, no. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. But again, he's just like trying to just make conversation. He doesn't know what to say. It's hey, hey, Wyatt. Hey, Wyatt. I hate but, sand. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess, they, uh, I, guess no I don't comment. have baby powder in space to just get rid of that. But, um, you know, I think part of it that we're not thinking of, and I, I, told, I told you guys this when we were talking earlier this week, is a comic I saw online recently of um, just like a fan fiction um, art of Ray and Poe and Finn um, seeing rain for the first time for Ray, right? Because she had been on Jakku for so long in the desert, similar thought, you know, Tatooine, similar thought. Um, and it was this really just like, it, it made me a little like wistful and emotional that it was like, wow, like what a cool moment for her to go from, you know, um, this crazy desert planet. And then of course she does go to Octo and she sees all the water and the greenness of that planet too. And she does remark on it in the movie, but imagine her seeing waterfall from the sky. That probably never happened to her on Jakku, right? So um, I think in a way it's like he's been to Naboo as a child. We know this obviously from the last film, but um, him just trying to like remark on things and impress a girl and just not, not good, but I, w- I will say the best parts for me were the locations that they filmed. Um, I think this is probably one of the most visually stunning pieces of Star Wars work out there. And it's mostly because the environment is not CGI, right? All of the, a lot of the other environments and planets we get, you know, obviously in the original trilogy, you know, Endor is the Redwoods in California and that's not CGI. But a lot of these like very crazy locations that we get to later on, I feel like are almost like digitally enhanced in a way, right? So um, you're telling me Coruscant's not a real city? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's uh, Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Pretty close. 
but yeah, I think just Naboo is such a beautiful planet. Um, and obviously Andrew and I are very um, biased because we're both Italian, but um, they did film a lot of the um, scenes in Naboo in Italy. They filmed some of it in Spain um, at that palace location. And, and it was just like so beautiful. There's all these like vintage, quote unquote vintage, like almost like disposable camera style photography pictures from, um, you know, this film specifically of Anakin and Padme's picnic and their wedding and all these iconic scenes of them by the water and just the scenery itself is just so stunning. And I think that's part of what makes it so emotional for the girls watching or the romantics watching. Um, you get obviously the scenery, you get better dialogue a little later, you get the two of them smooching, you get a wedding for crying out loud. And, and really that music swelling just ties all of it together with a nice pretty bow. But um, the last thing I'll say is I think another piece of it is just that like sweet teenage, like ish childhood innocence where it wasn't this like creepy like sexual tension it you know it got there eventually but in the beginning they're still getting to know each other as friends and not you know professionals if you will right as a bodyguard um you know like the movie the bodyguard for some of us romantics that love that stuff but you know when they were rolling down the hill when he was playing a joke practical joke on her they literally had a roll on a hill. Sorry. Literally had a roll down the hill. Um, but it made me think of another movie like from that time period, The Lion King from 1994, when oh, Nala and Simba yeah. roll down the hill mm -hmm. and Pinja, Pinja again. It's like that innocent that type cute. of yeah. romance, right? Where they're, they're just friends and they're playing around and they're joking around and it blossoms into this romance. So I think... Yes, the romance is arguably one of the best parts of the movie, but I don't think it would have sold or been as romantic were it not in Italy. Just saying. It's a very good point. I, I agree, personally. And not just because I'm Italian. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so likes and dislikes for me. I know this movie gets a lot of crap. I know the sequels get a lot of crap. I know the prequels get a lot of crap. Um, so I'm going to try and not dump on it very hard, but... There, there are people who will say, oh, this movie's unwatchable, this and that. Okay, uh, so Django Fett's unwatchable because awesome, first of all. Um, just And like his fight with Obi-Wan is like, you know, besides like the, the duel of the fates, we, re we, we haven't seen any Jedi battle in the prequels yet. So we get to see him fighting somebody. And for some reason, you know, now later we learn he's a, you know, a Mandalorian bounty hunter. This guy can keep up with him, you know, and... So that was cool. And like you said, the, the visual effects were, were quite, and locations were stunning. And then, you know, obviously the Geonosis battle was really cool. But just being able to see the Jedi Order at its peak, you know, them roaming the halls with all the Jedi. It's like, oh, they got Jedi everywhere. And, you know, getting to see a couple hundred Jedi and all the different aliens. It's like, wow, mm -hmm. that, that, was, that was kind of, you know, it for me. And then um, everything with Yoda and Mace Windu, I always love. Um, things I disliked, um, as a kid and still now don't really care for the politics. I now understand all of the politics. Um, but just as they do in, in <laughs> the real the Star world, Wars ones, right? <laughs> well, just, uh, I understand politics some, um, but just as they do in the real world, they piss me off. Right. So, I was going to say you understand, but I don't understand Yeah. <laughs> the audacity. Yeah, yeah literally. So you know, again, Trilogy spends an ungodly amount of time on politics, which is somewhat necessary and somewhat not. And then another thing I didn't care for, uh, you you kind of healed the uh, the romance part of it a little bit for me, because like, like, I do agree with pretty much everything you said, and I, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, I, I guess like just the the lack of logistical planning on the battles is going to bother me till the end of time. But again, you were right. It's, it's fight or flight survival at that point. Keep telling me I'm right. I really like this. Keep going. Okay. I haven't been right <laughs> since like 2013 when I started having female friends. So the only times I'm right is when I, I tell kid. them they're right. I kid. I <laughs> but, kid. So yeah, that's, that's it for me. Cool. Well, this was episode two, Attack of the Clones. This is our take on how we see the movie. 
our questions on the movie and how it connects to the rest of the trilogies, prequels, and everything else Star Wars related. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. In the meantime, check us out on Instagram at Spectre underscore radio and on Facebook as Spectre Radio. Be sure to submit your questions via social media for a chance to hear us answer them on our upcoming segment, Consult the Council. This is Spectre Radio, signing off. Everything changes.